Nation. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Hey guys, this is Jordy here. Quick message before we get this episode going. So uh, the first 10 minutes or so of this episode, the the audio quality is going to be a little janky. Uh, now, I'm not a big excuse guy, but that's mainly because Xfinity is god-awful, and my Wi-Fi connection for you know those first 10 minutes was absolute cheeks. After that, everything should be pretty much you know figured out, cleaned up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so just bear with us for the first 10 minutes or so. Now, let's get on to the episode. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome back to the Crease Dive. Today is Friday, June 21st. Is that the uh, the first day of summer, I guess? So, uh, you know, congratulations to all you beer league heroes out there for making it to the summer lax season. Uh, But hey, it is week four of the Premier Lacrosse League, and we have had our first trade in PLL history. So a lot going on, Jake. How are you holding on? Uh, I think we're holding on pretty solid after the weekend. That was a, uh, a, a quite a weekend for us. Um, I mean, there's some other great news that's happened this week, so we won't just, you know, we won't have to bore you with your typical PLL speculation of, you know, which which of these teams of best players in the world is going to beat the other team of, of also best players in the world. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah, it's uh, the predictions I. I kind of hate that we got into the prediction biz a little bit just because I feel like every single week it's like, what the fuck do you want us to say? Like, it's going to be a tight game. It's probably going to come down to one goal. One of those teams is going to score one more goal than the other. Um, But yeah, so there is a lot going on right now uh, in the lacrosse world. So we will get to all of that real quick. Just want to mention we do have Kyle Harrison. K18 on the uh, on this episode coming up in a little bit, so make sure you stick around for that interview with Kyle Harrison. But uh, you know, before we get to that, he'll have a new teammate this weekend. As the first trade in PLL history went down, it was Jules Hengberg going from the Whip Snakes over to the Redwoods in exchange for Alex Tullett and a fourth round pick next year. So. I mean, first, first trade, and it's a. Uh, I, I feel like every trade is going to like involve like a pretty big name guy. So I, you know, I don't know how many more trades we'll see this season. It's kind of, it's kind of weird seeing a, a, a trade like this early on in the history of the league. It's like these guys like just got here. Like how you know how are guys already getting dealt? Uh, but yeah, so Jules Henningberg heading to the Redwoods and the the Drip Snakes trying to load up on on defense a little bit, bringing in an LSM and Al. Alec Tullett and you know obviously the Redwoods are fucking loaded with LSMs between um you know Sexton and Kemp and you know that that defense is loaded so there was kind of a a backlog of guys to get into the games Tullett wasn't able to crack that lineup and now he slides right in with the uh, with the whip snakes for this weekend so uh you know what, what are your thoughts on that trade um I, it, to me it's more like uh and I don't know what what they're you know, a little trade process works like, but like, it, you know, like if you, you know, as a kid, like you got a new toy and like, you just wanted to like, you couldn't wait, home, wait until you got home to test it out. So you just ripped the shit up at the car and like, just were playing with it in the car. I think that's probably what they're doing. They're like, Oh, let's see if this actually works. And then, you know, he saw it and they're like, Oh, uh, Jules, by the way, bud, uh, this trade thing is for real. So you're, you're not gonna be playing with this anymore. But that's like that's cool though, because like we'll see you all the time. You know, we're, we'll be traveling together. I mean, it's not that not that big a deal. I mean, Jules Hindenburg's a good player. Um, 
but I think that the whip snakes probably need an LSM and they probably need, um, you know, some more core players on their defense. So I, I, I see it as a good trade. Um, Hannenberg's got to feel good that he's worth uh, a, a nasty LSM and, uh, and, and another pick. So um, I, if I'm Hannenberg, I'm feeling, I'm feeling hot, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm worth it. And then uh, he'll probably get, he'll probably make it. A, he's one of those players that'll make a direct impact, you know, right when he steps on the field, um, he's always where he needs to be. So good trade, I think. Yeah, that that is like a real awkward dynamic. The fact that all these guys are traveling to the same city every week, and like now you just got traded, so like you like, like you you're gonna be with these same guys like all the time. Yeah. And it's like, uh, what, what's up, guys? Like, uh, you know, what like when do you guys play today? Um, so it's definitely a little bit weird. But yeah, I mean, you look at who the Whip Snakes already have down at attack: Ben Reeves, Matt Rambo, Ryan Drenner, who is the most clutch player in PLL history and uh, Dylan Maltz. So like that's already a stacked lineup as is um, Jules is like a great player, but like one, he's not a Maryland guy. So, you know, right off the bat, like that, that's, that's a little bit of a tough fit with, with the whip snakes. Um, and then, yeah, I mean the, the Redwoods though, like they're, you know, you think about what, you know, heading into the season, everyone was like, yo, this defense is fucking nasty. Uh, you know, this is going to be the team, like going to hold everyone to like, no one was really talking that much about the Redwoods offense. And then since the season started, they picked up Ryder Garnsey and, and Brendan Gleason after the, um, you know, after the college season wrapped up and now they have Jules Henningberg. So the Redwoods are now also loaded with certified weapons on offense. So it's it's definitely a, a trade that uh, will work out for both teams. I know that that's not a spicy take. That 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 was like a uh, you know that was like a, a green warm. bell pep. Yeah, it was like a green bell pepper. Um, you know, and, and we're looking for at least you know jalapenos here and there, like maybe like a little bit of a arrow. Uh, but again, I, I think that it'll work out for both teams. Um, and you know, if I'm you know if I'm the whip snakes right now. I'm really good about adding um, t- just because, again, like you need him down there because if you're putting him in the game, it means you're taking out either Reeves, Rambo, or Drenner, and that that lineup seems to be working for them so far. So it's like, hey, you know, we we've got all these studs at attack. Might as well move one, and now we've got uh, just we, we we got you know between Earhart and Tullet now, um, you know. If if you're clearing the ball against the whip snakes, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, you're gonna have an extremely bad time. Um, the whip the whip snakes rides pretty hard too. Uh, you know, so I mean, but so, so is the redwoods. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe they maybe they kicked him out because you know he's like, hey, you know, maybe he didn't get into like their Maryland jokes or whatever. Maybe they got some old like terps jokes going on or something like that. And Hennepin I'll tell you what, like it. Maybe they drafted him because like they just saw him like wearing red with like Rutgers. Uh, true. Like, oh, it's like Absolutely. oh, like this guy, this guy wore red in college. Like we might as well bring him in. And then they got there and they were like, "Hey, like what year did you graduate Maryland from?" He's like, "I didn't go to Maryland. I went to Rutgers." They're like, "Oh, like, oh, fuck. fuck. Yeah, uh, that's, well, exa- that's exactly what happened. We're on to you. Guys. In that case, yeah, pack your shit, buddy. Um, hey, speaking of people packing their shit and throwing on some new colors, Chris Gray. Uh, so transfer season is upon us in the NCAA. I feel like this summer, I could be wrong here, like, but I feel like we've been seeing way more kids jump into the transfer 
portal this summer than ever before in college across. So Chris Gray, he will be going from that Boston Terrier red. He'll be throwing on some Carolina blue as he uh, announced over to Ty Zanders with the with good old scoop for our boy Ty. Uh, Chris Gray is heading to Chapel Hill to play with UNC and now – I don't, I don't know how I feel about that because like UNC has been this team that I've been, I've been so down. I don't think I've said a single like positive thing about UNC since we started doing this podcast, um, which like makes sense because the past three years they've been, I'm pretty sure they were like eight and eight, then seven and seven, and then eight and seven. So like UNC has just been mediocre uh, the past few years. So like I haven't had anything positive to say about them naturally just because like they haven't been doing anything to like prove otherwise bringing in chris gray now makes them a wagon the ACC. you know as a as a heels fan i am excited about about chris gray's decision i'm also very confused um because you know if for okay so a lot of guys were saying that Gray was going to make his pick based on education, right? So why not choose an Ivy? There's a, there's, I, perhaps he didn't have the grades. I'm not sure. I'm not certain. But I, my, what I imagined if he didn't pick an Ivy, if he didn't pick Harvard or Yale, would be that he um, wanted to be with a contender. So a Maryland, a Notre Dame, something like that. UNC is actually a surprising pick for me now. Perhaps he wanted to go to a school where he could make an immediate impact and wouldn't have to sit, um, you know, behind, you know, three seniors or something like that. So UNC is a solid choice for that. And it's not like UNC is a terrible school academically. They're a great school academically. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens, you know, playing. Yeah, I don't I don't real, I don't I don't think that there's a uh, a single lineup in the nation that Chris Gray would transfer to that he would have to but, like, sit behind but, anybody. It's the principle of the matter. So it's like, you know, it's the principle of like, okay, this kid is he's brand new to the program. I the coach would be like, I never recruited this kid. Um, you know, it, so what if he scored 180 points in two years? He played for Boston in a different league. Like the ACC is a completely different league, or if he went to the Big Ten or something like that. You know, so there there is a point to be made. Like, hey, I'm going to make this kid sit for first few, first few games, or I'm going to have him rotate in. I mean, him having be the fourth attackman, you know, I, I could see something like that happening rather than him just, you know, getting the starting spot. Now, maybe he goes to UNC and blows it out of the water and earns a starting spot. But, you know, there is a case to be made where, you know, he's not an immediate starter. That that that, that would be, you know, and, it's, you know, you don't want because because like you don't want him to like get to get to your school and then you throw him in a starting spot and everybody's like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, he said he, he didn't he didn't, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I I think I don't know, man. I think everyone. It's like, hey, this guy just had 111 points. It's like, yeah, like he's probably going to come in and take a starting spot. Um, obviously, like he's he's going to have to like work his ass off and like fall ball and stuff. But like like fall ball, like that's where that is going to like take care of itself. Definitely. So like you get there in August and you know like then you're going to have to like work. You're going to have to see like where you fit in in the lineup. Um, so like yeah, like the the first few practices and everything, like he might be like running with the twos just to get his feet wet. But then once he starts just dunking on everybody at practice, they're like, oh yeah, shit, we should probably slide him into the starting lineup. Um, now I could be, I, I feel like UNC is probably a, a, a really good degree. Like 
I don't it know. It is. I, Chapel I, Hill is. Yeah, like I, I feel like you know when people were saying, "Oh, he's you know he wants to transfer to get a good education." Well, it's like, well, not everyone wants to go to an Ivy League school where it's like, like, like I, I don't know. I just feel like I'd be like, ah, shit. Like I'm at like Harvard, so I have to like do like super well in school and super well in the field. Like I feel like ACC, it's like just like a drop below Ivy League, but then you know you can kind of like i mean we've seen with the north carolina basketball players you can pretty much just mm-hmm. write a, you can write one paragraph for four years and then you graduate um so i don't know i i feel like you know he's gonna get a good degree and he's also he seems like a kid who like enjoys a little bit of a challenge like i feel like that's probably a main reason why he went to bu in the first place it's like hey like you know this is a, a newer program and i kind of want to take it to a spot uh, where it can be considered like a top tier program. Uh, so, you know, maybe, you know, you think about like, oh, well, is he going to go to Maryland? Is he going to go to Duke? Well, it's like those teams have been in the final four the past, you know, combined like the past like eight years. Um, so maybe he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to go to a place that would be considered like a like a Kevin Durant-ish move. Like maybe he wants to go to a place that has been 500 for the past three years. And now, hey, like I want to come here. I want to get a good degree, but I also want to take UNC lacrosse back to where it's been and, and where it could be again. So he seems like a kid who likes that bit of a challenge. So I think it, it works out for, for everyone there. It just, again, like, like you said, it, it was like kind of out of – left field i guess i i wasn't expecting unc to be the call yeah I, I definitely wasn't and you're right you know he can he can go there and he can help build the program back to back to what it was and maybe that maybe that's what he does want also the climate's a bit better than on ivy league school so i mean north yeah. carolina still gets cold but like you know you can get a solid education and it not be um you know two degrees outside for 80, 85% of the year. So, I mean, yeah. solid, solid pick, you know, it's just, it's about as, it's about as competitive school South that you can go without getting to like a Mercer or a Furman. So that's, yeah. that's solid. Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of advantages that he now gets. And, um, you know, and, and again, like if you went to like a heart, it's like, like, I'm sure it's like a good time and everything like that, but like, I don't know. I, I just feel like the, the scene in North Carolina is probably, um, a little bit, a little bit more like laid back than a Harvard. You don't have to deal with like as many fucking cocksuckers. Um, hey, and then the so the Patriot League right now is just, um, I mean, they're losing people left and right. So Chris Gray, he's going to UNC, and Chase Scanlon this week, he also entered the transfer portal, so he will be leaving Loyola. Um, this one, so so the the quote that came out is that. Uh, you know, he, he's looking to, he didn't like the atmosphere at Loyola. He's looking to go somewhere. That's like a little bit more of like a blue collar program. Um, personally, I, I think it's just, uh, Hey, we, you know, Pat Spencer is moving on to play basketball at Northwestern. Uh, you know, Jacob Stover graduated, uh, this team's not going to be very good right now. And I don't want to be living in, in Baltimore. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think that might just be a, uh, ass shit, like we had one year to get this done and we missed out on that opportunity. So now let me go somewhere else. Uh, but what, what do you, what do you think on, on chase entering the portal? Listen here, chase, we all see right through you. I'm sorry for all the Baltimore listeners here, but it's a dirty place. It is gross. Baltimore is old and dirty. 
and we feel you. Nobody wants to go to school there unless they're playing for, you know, unless they're playing for an extremely competitive lacrosse team. And we understand you. We absolutely understand you. Um, I, I feel, I feel like, I feel like it's kind of like he, he could have spun it any way he wanted to, but we all kind of know what's going on. Um, which is fine. Like, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't care. Like the, we're, I think we're going to see this as, this is going to be a rising trend of, of stuff that's happening because of, you know, el- the elimination of that, that rule of having to sit for a year. Um, and I think that's great. I know. I think he'll probably get released and he'll go to, and I, mean, I mean, obviously I, I don't know anything about the kid. Um, I know that he initially committed to Syracuse and then flopped and went to Loyola. So do we see him go back to Syracuse? Who, you know, does, is that is that an option or do you see him you know um i know is he i i think he's from upstate new york right yeah yeah so yeah so maybe maybe he goes back to an albany type situation like i you know i don't know i think that's interesting but like that dude is so exciting to watch he's such a good player um i i would love to see you know i i I definitely hope the best for him just like we hope the best for i mean i hope the best for everybody i hope you know nobody goes out on the field and fucking blows their knee out you know we like to talk shit on here but i'm not like you know (laughs) hating people <laughs> so um i i think it's interesting and i think we're gonna see this a lot you know what would be pretty interesting is if chase scanlon ends up at <laughs> unc <laughs> no oh no that would be <laughs> that that would be interesting but no, if he ended up at syracuse that would be i thought that i think that well, would be interesting. well no so i was gonna say if he ends up at albany um because uh, yeah. because uh so I, you know i'm pretty sure he's he's probably um friends with with Dehoga. I, I know that they'll be uh they'll be playing on a team together uh at the Lake Placid tournament this summer which I will be coaching um not so a big deal not not a big deal uh so you know maybe I'll you know I'll just uh you know see how those guys work together and and maybe I'll you know just get a get a hold of Scotty Marr and be like hey you know these guys have some chemistry out there so if you want Chase Scanlon to um you know transfer over to Albany like you have to bring me on the coaching staff as well because I kind of facilitated it that could be like I don't know when he said like I want to go to like a blue collar program, that kind of seems like Albany to me. Um, you know, just in terms of of you know the the kids that they bring in there. Um, you know, big big uh, you know native influence on that team. Uh, Scott Mars about as blue collar as it gets. Just you know listening yep. to Grateful Dead, getting you know gassing a couple beers and and having a good time. Rex uh, Ryan look alike. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, that right there would be my school to, to look out for. Obviously Cuse is also right around there, but like, I don't know. I, I don't really know again for some, he said blue collar, like he, he like, like that's not, what, that's not, that? so, that's not something though, that you're just like, that's a blue collar school. That's a blue collar school. You're not, it's not something you like identify with each school. Like what school is white collar other than Ivy league, but like what school is white collar, what school is blue collar. Well, I, really... like, I feel like white collar would be ACC schools. Like, I feel like that knocks the ACC out of it right away. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I feel like, okay. When I think of blue collar schools, let, let's see, like. I would think like big 10 or. Yeah. Like, uh, maybe like. Hopkins, uh, Ohio State. Uh, yeah. Ew! If you went to Ohio State, ugh. Yeah, uh, I mean, like Penn State. It Penn would, State, would be, maybe. Like Penn, Penn State's pretty blue, and then I mean, you figure what they're they're losing one guy pretty much in that offense, and he could step right in and and just get on that that top midi line for them, and then instead of scoring twenty goals a game next year, um, 
Penn State can just score 25. So I would I think Penn State and Albany right now would be my two to look out for for Chase Scanlon. That's you know just a just a hunch, but um, you know I've I, I pride myself on being smarter than every single person in the lacrosse world. So uh, the, I I feel like it'll probably come down to those two. That's fair. Uh, I'll, I'll back that, and I'll even throw in like a Hopkins or a Syracuse in there, just yeah. for good measure. Yeah, I mean Syracuse would also make a ton of sense just because that there's been that relationship before. Um, it'd be kind of weird to be like, uh, "Hey, True. man, like you, you did us, you did us real dirty like just a year ago." But uh, you know, I guess I guess you can come back here. Yeah, but they're hurting for. I mean, they graduated seven, eight guys. I mean, they're. they're yeah, they, they're kind of they uh they're kind of hurting. So that's true. Well, you know. well, that'll do it. Uh, you know, for that, let's let's move on to some segments real quick before we get to our interview with Kyle Harrison. So first up, uh, we'll go with our greaser of the week. All right, before we keep going here, just have to mention that this week's greaser of the week is brought to you by Pearl Lacrosse, the only ball that is worthy of greasers that never, ever, literally ever greases. You can play with this thing in the mud. You can play with it in the rain. You can play with it in the middle of a hurricane. It will never grease on you. It is American-made. It is American-trusted, and you can always find it in the back of the net. That is Pearl Lacrosse. So now this week, I, I, have, I have two. Um, I, I couldn't really decide between either or I feel like this is a pretty, uh, you know, a, a pretty obvious choice, but I got to go with Nick Asello and Blaze Reardon. Um, you know, the boys, they stirred up a shit ton of controversy in the lacrosse world. And I fucking love that. Like, I love the suplex and I love the punch. Like those were both great things. But what I love more is the fact that they broke so many brains in the lacrosse world. You have so many fucking people right now not knowing how they feel. So many people arguing like it's it's chaos in the lacrosse world community right now. And it's because these guys just went out there and the guys were being dudes. Shit got out of hand, had a quick suplex, had a quick punch. That was you no, know, that's all she wrote. And now the lacrosse world is in hysteria. Um, so, you know. Credit to the boys for you know uh, you know getting a little greasy out there, and that translates into being my greaser of the week nominees. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people, um, few a lot of people uh, had their brains just basically exploded. A lot of mental midgets out there just absolutely bending over backwards to make some hot takes. Um, it wasn't that serious as we've uh, as we covered with Nick Ocello earlier in the week. Um, but my greaser of the week, um, big boy from Archer's LC, Matt McMahon, absolutely tearing it up this weekend. Uh, the yard sale on Jules Hindenburg, our arrest in peace, RIP in peace. Um, and then the, the, the takeaway check and then the just absolutely primal scream. Let's go after, you know, just big boy from Penn human highlight reel when it comes to just um, absolutely taking the ball away. Uh, you know, that Archer's LC defense is really, really strong. Um, and they've really proven themselves. But, I mean, Matt absolutely got out there this week. He, he also got that got out there on Twitter this week and, and roasted Quint. Absolutely just burned that man alive. Um, so he's, he's my greaser of the week, and, and he absolutely earned it. 
Yeah, so uh, if if anyone wasn't able to, uh, you know, if anyone didn't follow, uh, McMahon went on a Twitter rant this uh, this week. Obviously, um, you know, like everyone else in the lacrosse world, it was it was about the punch, uh, and what he did to Quint Kesnick was put this man in an online body bag. Um, you know, I, I say we don't short shame on this podcast, you know, being, uh, you know, like a five, eight guy myself, but that is a, a tiny, tiny body bag that Matt McMahon put Quint into. Um, so, you know, you, you can check him out if you haven't seen it. Um, you know, it's at Mac underscore McMahon underscore 11 on Twitter. Um, you know, I, should, should we do a quick little, uh, uh, a quick, um, quick reading of this, a dramatic reading. Oh, uh, we could we could save it for for man up, man down, and just kind of dunk on on our on our man down a little bit if you wanted to. You know what? That's that's a great idea because uh, <laughs> that that brings us right into our man up, man down of the week. Um, you, you you can start us off on this one. Um. So my man up for this week. Well, it came down to a couple different things. I think my man up for this week. It had to be Ryan Ryan Drenner's Yeezy cleats. Like, I'm I'm huge on the Yeezy cleats. Um, they were looking f- absolutely awesome. And if uh, Kanye and I know we've said this before, Kanye, if you're listening, I know you're a regular listener. Like, if you wanted to just get in there with that contract and give everybody some Yeezy cleats, that would be great. Um, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, you know, RD22. You know, Drenner's first couple minutes on the field he got absolutely smoked by dominique alexander and of course me i on twitter i was like bro you got to return the cleats now and then he dropped three goals and then the game winner so i was like you know yeah you can never mind dude you you, you can keep them you earned them so that's my man up that was an easy one for me yeah i, f- I feel like i'm almost uh you got to start like questioning everyone else and like you got to start questioning everyone who doesn't break out easy cleats at this point, or at least like break out, like, like, you know how the NFL, like these guys just wear, you know, new like custom cleats every single week. Um, and that just goes into that look good, feel good, play good mentality where it's like, Hey, like if you don't have guys who are breaking out some custom footwear week by week, do they really care about getting the win? Obviously Ryan Drenner cared a shit ton. He cared enough to throw on a pair of Yeezys and then it translated into the overtime dagger. So, um, you know, if, if you have guys out there who are just rocking the same pair of cleats week after week, they, they just don't care enough. You know, they don't have that, that competitive drive in them. Um, one guy who does have a, a very, very high competitive drive is my man up of the week. It is Jake Bernhardt who, uh, you know, we'll we'll put this this clip in here, the audio of this clip in here. But Jake Bernhardt's shit talk specifically is my man up of the week. This man is uh, he's on another level right now with his chirping. It, and we saw it start off in training camp when we when we saw all the mic'd up footage of training camp. And Jake Bernhardt's on the sideline just saying, you know, I'm the best fucking two way midi in, in the world just making that declaration right there in training camp, Um, you know, and he's been backing it up too. So, but you know, this, this past week he's over there. I forget who he's saying it to. Obviously we'll put the the audio in here, but he's screaming at someone on the sideline at the, at the archers, send your fucking paycheck to me, give me your paycheck. And that's like, (laughs) 
it is so beyond district. Like it's like something that you would never expect to hear to like, there's always like the regular shit talk, like, like, Oh, like you're a fucking hero buddy or nice try, bud. like you pussy, like this and that, like there's stuff that it's just, it's said in every single lacrosse game ever played. And it, you know, by the time like you're like a sophomore in high school, you already tune it out because you've heard all of it before. But when you have Jake Bernhardt screaming at you across the box, send me your fucking paycheck, give your paycheck to me. That's like, it's like, dude, like you, you don't belong out here. You're stealing money from the league. I deserve that money. Give it to me. You are nothing. You are worth zero. Give that shit to me. Like that's just taking someone's entire soul in a chirp. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like, you know, Canadians definitely lead the way in chirps that are, uh, you know, a little unconvent, like just shit that you, you really aren't used to hearing. I feel like out of the American guys out there, Jake Bernhardt brings it the hardest. I, I, I have to agree with you. Um, I also, you know, that was one of the more ruthless chirps I've heard that I've heard in a very long time. I also heard somebody um, say that you're a fucking nobody like that that wow like that one that that one surprised me like jesus christ like i'm playing on the biggest lacrosse stage in the world and he just called me a fucking nobody i feel a little hurt by that so yeah i'm i'm big up on jake Burr, big on on jake shit talk you know big fan of 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 guys named jake out there you know making our making our name you know do it doing well for our name so that's that's nice i i i'm i'm pleasantly uh pleasantly uh I don't, I don't know but i'm i'm enjoying yeah. that yeah it was just it was it was ruthless so um you know and, and that's that's what we're all about here uh so you got a uh you, you got a man down here yeah so just like um, imagine me like you know like like dribbling at half court and i'm absolutely just gonna dunk this man down uh quint kessinick obviously we're, we're big man down on quick kessinick this week uh bro it's not that big of a deal you know, the whole like this, it, the, the fight that happened is a disrespecting the creator's game. It's not like that. And we've we talked about this with Nick Asello earlier in the week, like re fucking lax, bro. Like this is not it's not that big of a deal. Nobody is out there. Absolutely. Just, you know. Tearing apart uh, their stick and throwing it on the field and, you know, driving over and doing donuts in the middle of the field like no, like no, like. There's not that much disrespect going on here. You know, if anything, you know, the fact that these guys um, bump knuckles after the game and apologize to each other and they're still friends, you know, like that's that's huge. You know, there wasn't like a knockdown drag out bench clearing. Absolutely. Just, you know, somebody got shanked in the middle of the field like nobody got nobody got hurt. Yeah. Right. Or like you like you see, you see the the fight at that uh that little league baseball game in yeah. Colorado that's been all, all, all over the internet <laughs> this week. Like like no, like there weren't parents like suckering each other, like <laughs> like like if I, I bet that you could probably find that at some like youth summer lacrosse tournaments. Yes. Like like that's the shit that that we should be worried about. And like chances are so like the parents that get in fights at tournaments are probably all the same ones, like the the father of threes on Twitter, who are then saying like, "Oh, I can't believe the the PLL is is glorifying the fighting and throwing it in all these highlights." When it's like, like think about the kids, and it's like, "No, you fucking dumbass! Like you're the one that's out there fighting other parents." Um, yeah, dude, that that little league fight was banana lands, hilarious, dude. 
the the one dude who ends up getting cl- getting suckered and then just drops like a fucking bag of bricks my man went down um so yeah like that's like th- those kind of situations i would understand if quint if that happened at a lacrosse tournament i could understand quint saying tempers will flare the glorification and exploitation oh my god jesus christ quint i can't even read yeah, that this- I, can't even- I can't even read this tweet without <laughs> laughing tempers were f- <laughs> tempers will flare the glorification and exploitation of fighting and poor sportsmanship does not represent the values of the creator's game get the fuck off the high horse buddy you know i didn't know that he had the values of the creator's game like you know you know like you know guys who carry around you know the, ner- the ref nerds who carry around like a pocket rule book does he have like the, the the pocket creators game values in the back of his pocket? Like, nope that that just clearly violates all of them, bud. So you know this is this is treacherous territory you guys are getting into by you know throwing you know throwing hands on the field. No, like the disrespectful part of like okay, so you know at a, at a tournament when your parents are getting into shit and they like and and they fight each other in the stands or something, they're screaming at kids. Like that's very disrespectful to the game. Like just let the boys play, right? You know, even when some guys get, you know, at the at the highest level of competition, they're, you know, they're button heads and, you know, their tempers are flare and things like that. It's that's not disrespectful. It's it's just a, a high a high level of competition. So, you know, I think we're I think we're um we're both simultaneously dunking on Quint for man down. Did did we decide that? Yeah, um, you know, like, what? Like, can I can I toss you the alley oop? Yeah, I I think for the first time in crease dive history, we have a a two man down. And Quint just getting <laughs> getting hit with both of them. Um, again, the, the glorification and exploitation of fighting. Um, that is, I I I just like I wish that I had a I wish someone had a camera on him as he was typing out that tweet. Like he probably he probably lit a cigarette and took like the longest drag ever. As soon as he hit send on that tweet, he was probably. <laughs> Oh fuck yeah! Like yeah, that, that, that was a good one. <laughs> that's the fucking shit right there, baby. Give me more of that. Like he probably he probably started stroking right then and there. Um, he probably printed that one out and put it on right above his office. You know, yeah. put it in a frame. Like oh, that was my my uh, you know my Picasso right there. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Luckily though, um, yeah. So he'll be both of our man downs this week. Luckily, we don't have to dunk on him too hard because, like we we mentioned before, Matt McMahon did most of the dunking for us. So yes. um, at this point, we're pretty much just like dunking on like an eight foot rim since McMahon already threw it down on the big boy. Um, so yeah, so that's dual dual man downs of the week. Quint, just take a lap, buddy. Come back better next time. Um, but maybe just sit this one out. Uh, so one more, one more segment here before we get to Kyle Harrison, let's just do a real quick trip to the gear vault. Um, Hey, you know what? We, we need to start getting some, uh, listener submissions in here. So, you know, you guys, you guys should all know the segments by now, you know what we're looking for. So, um, you know, would would love to get a, uh, you know, we could get a listener submission for each segment. Um, so, you know, if, if you got any old gear left in the garage that you want to talk about, send it on over to us. Um, or, you know, if you think that someone's deserving a greaser of the week, give us a little nomination on, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, but real quick, just real quick trip to the gear vault. I want to talk about the Brian swerve head real quick, because this is one that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't remember, this is when 
Uh, Mikey Powell came out with his line of equipment, and the Swerve Head was a uh, just just a legendary piece of lacrosse equipment. So, like we like we mentioned a couple weeks ago with the Proton Power, the throat on this thing was like it was probably smaller than the size of a lacrosse ball. Like if if this ball was sitting in the bottom of your head. It was not coming out. And then also on the sidewalls, in one of the cutouts, they had a little piece that you could then plug into the cutout, like toward the throat. Um, you know, that is, so just like a, a white piece, white little rubber piece, you would insert that into the cutout. And then I guess like, I guess it, it would mimic, like you wouldn't be able to see like where the ball is on the head. I don't really think that it was like fully thought through. I think it was like a, a like a, an idea that someone was like, uh, hey, like this hasn't been done before. Let's just like fuck around and put it in here and then charge like an extra 20 bucks for this head. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like the lacrosse world is, is missing out greatly that, we didn't get to experience the full potential of, of Mikey Powell. Um, you know, I mean, for real, like, like he was, he might be, you, you think about the impact that this guy had on the game. Like there's probably not a single player in the PLL right now, or, or like anyone in co- who didn't grow up just with their YouTube history, just hours yeah. and hours of, of Mikey Powell dodging highlights. You look so like, uh, you know, so in terms of like dodging and playing style, he had an impact there in terms of just style in general, like he, he, he's pretty much the guy, like the first guy to start doing the triangle eye black look. And like, now that's just like the quintessential eye black look for the cross. So, um, I mean, this man, he had so much impact on the game and he like dipped out after a couple years of, of playing pro to, to go, uh, you know, just be a musician jam on his guitar. It, dude is if, if you haven't had a chance to check out, if, if you haven't thought about Mikey Powell in a while, um, do me a favor, go on the iTunes, look them up. The, the, the tracks are, the tracks are, are some, some real heat. So, um, but yeah, so the Brian Swerve head, what a, what a piece of equipment that was innovative and just, uh, again, you wouldn't, wouldn't never lose the ball if it's in the bottom of that stick, because I'm pretty sure that the throat was smaller than a ball. Yeah, Mikey, you know, I'm just trying to think about all the stuff that, that, you know, Mikey Powell influenced over the years, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of kids who watched him play growing up like he he was, uh, you know, he was he was Paul Rabel before Paul Rabel. Uh, and of course, there were players before Mikey Powell who were Mikey Powell before Mikey Powell. But what but what I'm but what I'm saying is like for this generation of kids. You know, you you know everybody knew who Mikey Powell was. Um, you know, we bought all of the gear. We bought the the you know the Mac Daddies and the and the and the Super Freaks. And you know, we 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 wanted to be like be like Mikey, right? Um, you know, my YouTube history was absolutely filled with this shit. I didn't even play Attack, but like he was absolutely just you know so mesmerizing to watch. So that you know, um, but I have to respect my one thing. My one point that I wanted to make about Mikey was you know you have to respect like hey, you know man, I've played lacrosse all my life. I kind of just want to go do something for myself. And he's out there just fucking being in a jam band chilling. So, you know, you, you, you got to respect that. Oh yeah. Um, absolutely. um, so in the spirit of Kyle Harrison being on the interview, my choice from the gear vault is the crankshaft. The absolute weirdest, weirdest invention. I think that, you know, I think that the lacrosse community in terms of technology, 
Um, I think there was a lot of experimentation going on before we got and it kind of got to our bread and butter. You know, this is the metal we're choosing for the shafts. These are the, these are the types of heads, you know, before all the rule changes. But the crankshaft, and for those who are unfamiliar, it's a normal, normal size shaft. But at the end, there was like a 15 degree tilt on the shaft backwards. So the idea was that you could absolutely just, I guess, if you put enough whip on your stick, you could get more behind the shot. Um, I guess it would be easier to pick up ground balls or something like that. But like the idea fizzled out because I mean, well, here's the thing: it's like weird. You think about the way that Kyle Harrison shoots the ball. It's that that real, just like elongated, like up on one leg, kind of that jump shot. So like everything's coming so high up, so far back, so much coming like. So for Kyle Harrison's shot, like the idea was like, like this guy, he's, he's getting all the way up there, like one leg, little jump shot going on. And for that shot, the idea of having the, the, um, you know, the, the throat of the, the shaft angle back a little bit made a ton of sense because he could throw so much fucking power behind that shot as that thing's whipping down and then has that extra little like 10, 15 degrees to go. The only issue is that I feel like it was just a bunch of like 10 year old kids buying this shaft that it had like very little to no impact on what they were doing because like they barely knew how to like throw. Um, so I feel like there was like, like that, that shaft was made specifically for Kyle Harrison and we'll get more into the crankshaft uh, as we get into this interview. I feel like it was made specifically for his shot and there's like only so many people who shoot like that. Um, I, you, you, so you said like, I, there's probably been so much, you know, experimentation going on in, in the lacrosse gear, um, throughout history. I need to know, like, if they actually hired like a scientist for that to like, be like, Hey, like, this is like the optimal angle that we need this, this shaft to bend at. Or if it was just like some dude working at SDX and was like, uh, I don't know, like, like like 45 degrees and then someone was like whoa are you fucking crazy buddy do you know how much 45 degrees is and they're like uh i don't know like like fuck 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 it fuck it 10 all right 10 how's 10 and then they're like yeah dude like chill out we'll just go with 10 like i I, yeah i or if there was like some like scientist like just like crunching numbers like and like like 15 degrees no, I bet it was more like those guys were in the warehouse, just bored as fuck at STX. And one of them like stuck a shaft in a vice grip and was just like, hey, guys, watch this. And just like bent it a little bit. They're like, whoa, this is kind of sick. You think we could sell it? Let's put, wait, 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 wait. Uh, let me call Kyle Harrison. Let's see if he'll put his name on it. And then we can sell it. You know, I that, that shaft was specifically made for one person in the entire world who could use it. And it was Kyle Harrison. And there's like very few people who shoot like that. I actually really think there's one other person Maybe okay, yeah. One other person in the world who shoots like Kyle Harrison, it's Romar Tennis. So those two could probably bring a crankshaft back and absolutely do fine. Salcedo too. Salcedo. Yeah, Salcedo. Salcedo could use a crankshaft as well. Uh, Miles Jones is strong enough; he could absolutely use it. Maybe Sergio Perkovic. Those guys who shoot like way, way over, way like the exaggerated follow through over the top. They could, they could use something from that, like that. Yeah. But like other than that, no. 
it was no. funny too because like you they like, couldn't just use like any head on it either like no. it, like, it had to be like a head that like would then like go with the i don't know it was crazy it was it, again it was the wild west of of lacrosse back then um so we will get more into the crankshaft and everything else about kyle harrison in our interview right now so let's kick it on over to k18 All right, with us right now, we've got from Redwoods LC, a legend making his return to Homewood Field this weekend. We've got Kyle Harrison on the line. Kyle, thanks for coming on this week. Of course, man. Thank you guys for having me. Fired up. Yeah, so um, you know, obviously big big weekend for uh, you know, for the all the hot guys playing in the yep. PLL this weekend. So, making the return back to Homewood, how's uh, you know, how how you feeling about that? I'm excited, man. You know, I did, I did a uh, interview a couple couple days ago, and they were talking about, like, when was the last time you actually played a game on Homewood? And I got to say, it was probably my senior year when we played the, I don't know, was it quarterfinals at that point? Or, or maybe the, the first round tournament game against Marist was probably the last game I played on Homewood Field my senior year. So it's, it's been a while since I've been back, man, and I can't wait. That's awesome. Uh, Kyle, so... <laughs> You know, I don't want to. I don't want to date you here, but but how old are you exactly? Say, so, so hold on one second, man. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. It's, no, you're good. You're good. For everyone listening right now, Kyle's doing a little uh, dad duty, so he's got the he's got the <laughs> yeah. little ones running around. So I apologize. I got a better service area now. I'm sorry. Hit that one. More no, time. no, you're good. You're good. So I I don't want to date you here, but how old are you exactly? It's not good, man. It's not good. I'm, 30, <laughs> I'm 36. Okay, so this is this is my question. So if you're 36 years old, that means when you were at Hop, yep. okay, uh, some of the guys, specifically, let's say the youngest guy on the Redwoods team, Ryder yeah, Garnsey, yeah. was sure. I think Ryder might have been in diapers while yeah. while you were at Hop. So how do you feel playing with these young guys who literally grew up and probably more than likely you know, idolized you or, you know, or they, they styled their games after you. How do you feel about that? Yeah, man. Well, that, that part's pretty incredible to, to get to experience. Um, I'm fortunate that I've gotten to play as long as I have and, and gotten to have these interactions with these younger guys that grew up watching me at Hopkins or even grew up watching me play professionally, whatever it is. Um, and, and now I'm, you know, teammates with these guys. So that, that part has been incredible uh, to build those relationships and hear those stories. And, you know, from, from like an Austin Sims who wears 18 because of me, and then I get out in the field running around with Austin Sims in an 18 jersey. It's been pretty surreal. Um, you know, and, and I think the, the, the funny part is that I remember when I got uh, into the league professionally and Jesse Hubbard was the older guy, right? Like, he, I mean, he, yeah. he's, he's my, my idol, right? Like the guy that taught me how to be a pro. I got to just like attach myself to him. And I remember thinking like, gosh, like how did he make it this long? And Jesse always said like, dude, just enjoy it. It goes fast. It goes fast. And then I remember being at training camp, you know, a month and a half ago, being like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm the old dude now. Like, I'm the guy <laughs> that, like, everybody, you know, I'm 36. I'm, I'm running around here with 22-year-olds. So it goes fast, man. But, but I am uh, very fortunate I've been able to play as long as I have. Yeah, maybe there's, a, maybe there's a chance that one of your little ones is actually bigger than Ryder right now. <laughs> uh, so one of the cool things about you know how how you've been playing for so long is that like especially at the pro level you've gone through you know so many different eras of the pro game so you know you started off mll um then you had those those years with the lxm tour and now pol yep. 
Um, so, you know, like, I feel like that, like that experience right there, like obviously it's probably pretty huge for like the PLL when you guys were trying to figure out, you know, how to get yep. this whole thing together. Um, but you know, what I'm interested in is, you know, you, you've had all that experience. Um, how does the PL, like, how is this season so far? Like, how does that kind of stack up to, to what you've gone through before? Like, I, I know it's only been training camp and like a yeah. few weeks of playing here. Um, yeah. but you know, so what has this been like compared to, you know, the rest of your pro career? No, that's a great question. And again, I am lucky in that I've been able to play for so long and be a part of all the different um, pro leagues, that, outdoor pro leagues, I should say, that, that have come about. So, you know, when I, when I got into the MLL at the beginning, I had a, I had a great time and it was, it was the only thing available at the time, right? So I'm appreciative of those years. And that's how I got connected with the Jesse Hubbard and a Pat McCabe and I got to play with my idol, AJ Hogan. So like, there was a lot of things uh, with the MLL at the beginning of my career that were really important to my growth as a player. And then, as you mentioned, going into LXM, I was fortunate enough to move to LA and be a part of a group to put together the LXM Pro Tour, uh, which was great. And I think the need for that at the time was all based on a bunch of us being out West, a couple teams had folded and the feeling of like, eh, maybe we could start our own thing. And so fast forward to now to PLL and it's been great, right? I've been working on this project for, for almost two years now. And I think, you know, there are obviously things we can improve on on a weekly uh, basis. And then once the season's over, we'll be able to regroup and really make massive improvements. Uh, but for now, it's going well, man. I think uh, you know, the players are happy. The player experience was my main focus. I think when we first originally started talking about this project, you know, I was a guy that, like, I really care about the player experience and the opportunity for a player to graduate and become a full-time professional lacrosse player. I thought that sounds pretty cool. Um, and, you know, I made a point a couple of weeks ago also in a, an article that I felt like there are times when we lose a lacrosse player, there have been in the past, before their prime. And I, I want to make sure that never happens again. I don't ever want to have a guy that's 26 heading into the prime of his athletic career and decide to take a desk job instead. I want them to have an opportunity to make a full wage uh, and make a living while playing lacrosse. And I think, again, we're only three weeks in. We've got a lot to work on, a lot to improve on. But thus far, we're, we're happy with the steps we're taking. I think that the progress uh, is has been exponential. I think the response from the community has been absolutely out of this world. Um, you know, you have your your standard naysayers and people sure. who are like, "Oh, I don't know if the PLL is going to make it. I don't know if it's sustainable." And Jordy right. and I are big. Jordy and I are big fans of just you know hoping that they will one day shut the fuck up because <laughs> I can't. I cannot for the life of me imagine you know spending my life, you know, spending my life, you know, hoping for something like this, that's very, you know, exactly what you're saying that, that to have these guys be able to make a, a living playing lacrosse, you know, right. why would you want that not to succeed? Exactly. Um, so to delve into a little bit more of the PLL talk and how, how the league operates. Um, I actually had a buddy ask me and I, I didn't, I mean, he, you know, for some reason he thinks I'm some sort of lacrosse expert because I'm on this podcast <laughs> with Jordy. Um, since there are not really owners of the teams, sure. who's in charge of making the trades? Because this jo yeah. the Jules he Jules Heinenberg going to, um, you know, Jules Heinenberg trade, you know, that could yeah. by some you you could say that that looks a little bit like parody. It smacks of parody. Sure. So how how does that work? Do the players involved? Is it more the coaches? What what does that look like? No, I think it, you know I I can't say specifically in terms of who made the the phone call, but I I do know it's no different from other leagues. With the, with the concept that it's a conversation between the head of lacrosse, which is Josh Sims, uh, okay. the, co the coaching, the coaching staffs obviously call each other. And there's obviously another layer with the lacrosse advisory board that oversees all lacrosse decisions. Um, so you're absolutely right in that there are no owners. Like each team does not have an owner. 
But when it comes to lacrosse decisions, trades, rules, things of that nature, there's the head of lacrosse, which is Josh Sims, and then the lacrosse advisory board, which is headed up by, by Seth Tierney, the head coach of Hofstra, and uh, assistant coach of Team USA. Cool, cool. I mean, it, that's a, that's kind of like a, um, a little hidden fact for, yeah. for everybody out there. Like, it's not just six rogue teams just doing whatever they want, you know, the Wild yeah, West. No, so. <laughs> But now, I get it. I get how that looks. I get it. Definitely. Now, now speaking of some trades, um, you yeah. know, I've, so this weekend, you know, obviously the the big, the marquee matchup will be Atlas versus Whip Snakes. A lot of Hopkins versus a lot of Maryland. Get that rivalry going. Um, yeah. Now, is there a chance that playing at Homewood that you, that you would like a guy like Joe Walters to get dealt from the Redwoods, maybe just for a week, like <laughs> if, if you don't want to play with, if you don't want to play with a Maryland guy at Homewood. No. A- absolutely not. If Joe Walters got dealt for the week, we- we'd be in trouble. So no, I- I'll-, I'll suck up the Maryland Hopkins rivalry for now just to keep him on my team. <laughs> and uh, so will you guys have, uh, will you guys have a- anything on the line there between, uh, you know, for that whip snakes Atlas game at-, at 7:30, or is that just, you know, listen, I think so. I think we need to, right? Like we haven't had an opportunity to really put thought into that yet. Cause we're so focused on our game, but I think once our game ends uh, at three o'clock on, you know, whatever it is, three o'clock Saturday afternoon, I think mentally we'll switch to, back to hating Joe and hating Maryland uh, and trying to come up with some sort of wager. You know, actually another thing I, I'm, do you know, um, can, can we get a little inside scoop here? Do you know, will, will the band be at Homewood? You know what, man? I, look, I, you would think that I'd have the inside scoop. I don't, <laughs> I've heard, I've like saw a couple of people tweet it, And then I've actually been asked that a few times recently. I have no idea, but that'd be great. The last time I heard him play when I was on the field was, was senior year. So it's been a while. Yeah. I, I feel like we, we definitely need to get them out there. If only for like, just, just to get people like bitching about them on Twitter, because that's one thing that really sets lacrosse Twitter <laughs> off is, is once Hopkins starts filling the back of the net, people come out and they are bitching about the band. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. So it makes my heart happy. So Kyle, you know, we're going to go back in time a little bit. Um, uh, I guess my generation, absolutely. Um, you know, you were, you were one of the first guys that I, that I remember who actually had one of their own branded, uh, you know, branded equipment in lacrosse, you know, Mikey Powell had his thing. And then the K 18 line came out, you know, Jordy and I were talking about this earlier, but we need to, we need to understand it a little bit more. What was up with the crankshaft? What was the idea behind it? There it is. I, um, so I don't if you get I know a lot of the listeners might be too young to remember this, but like around that time, Gary Gate and a lot of those guys were like bending their handles a little bit, almost like a bow and arrow shape. Like they had like a little curve to them. So I think the R and D team talked through. All right, well I get what Gary Gate and those guys are doing. Like, is there a way that we can come up with a, a similar concept, but at the top of the head? So like a canted uh, at the end of the handle to maybe give a little more pop and a quicker release on your shots. Um, and so we landed on the crankshaft and I remember when I first signed with STX, uh, back in 2006, they had the crankshaft in line. I can't remember what the cannon maybe was the first head they had. I, I can't remember specifically, but we just, I was playing with it for team USA. Uh, we got a bunch of photography and they were like, you know what, why don't we just make your first head on a crankshaft? You're used to it now. We might as well go for it. And that's how, that's how my original K18 head ended up being on a crankshaft. I mean, at the time, man. I loved it. Um, just it was something different. You know how it goes. Like a- anything different 
typically uh, makes a little bit of noise and, and we didn't have social media and things like that back then, but I'd imagine if we did, uh, it would have made some noise, good and bad, but people would have been talking about it. But uh, that, that head, I enjoyed it. Yeah, you know what? I think, because you, you probably have a few of them still lying around somewhere. If not oh, you, yeah. then then SDX still has a few of them somewhere. Oh, yeah. I think you might need to break one out this weekend and then I'll just, I'll, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll take the over on Kyle Harrison goals this week. I, I got to tell you, man, I got enough problems shooting right now. I don't need to bust out uh, an old school crankshaft and try and figure it out again. <laughs> but maybe, maybe I'll mess around with it with my kids or something. Yeah, there we go. Well, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll we'll get it in the hands of somebody. I think, uh, you know, Sergio, he's a uh, he's shooting. Or, Maybe we'll give it to him. Yeah. So I mean, Sal, well, Salcedo, he's an STX guy, so we can yeah, get it. An STX guy. Yep. And and I feel like he he'd be able to to really uh, you know use one of those to his. So maybe we'll just put one in his hands. Why not? Um, Why not? Hey, so, uh, you know, real quick, we'll, we'll get a couple more questions in here. I know, uh, you yeah. know, you, you got dad life going on. That's you a big it. thing for the PLL more than an athlete. So, you know, you're, you know you're not just a pro lacrosse player. You're also a dad. Um, yep. But, you know, I think another thing, a great thing that the PLL is doing, uh, trying to kind of break away from like, you know, some of the some of the stereotypes that would, uh, you know, necess- like typically be put onto lacrosse players and, and that sure. sort of culture. Um, and yep. I know that, that you're you're huge in, uh, you know, doing a lot of work, you know, making sure that, you know, diversity is, is a huge part of this game moving forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, how, you know, obviously like we, we know like it's, it's important, but like how sure. do you see the, the way that the game is growing, um, yeah. you know, with the PLL now and, and just like making sure that like, that's kind of the message moving forward. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So, I, I mean, I think we, we pride ourselves in setting the standard uh, as far as lacrosse goes. And I think as a group and a company and an organization, I remember our, you know, some of our initial meetings almost two years ago, like saying that we don't only want to set the standard from the lacrosse perspective. We want to set the standard across the board. Like we want to do everything right uh, and, and do our best to do everything right. And so I think diversity and inclusion is a big part of that. Um, and, and I've been really fortunate in that as we were growing as a business and everybody started running in different directions, trying to manage their different business units, um, the diversity and inclusion uh, portion of the business was something that I got to focus on and, and I got to build our partnerships and I got to build our strategy. And so, you know, I think when you look at Instagram and social media, unfortunately, a lot of the comments that younger generations and younger kids are making towards each other that end up going viral, uh, that shed a negative light on the cross, I think it typically comes down to education. And I think we have focused on our partnership with USL uh, U.S. lacrosse and, and the cultural competency course they have. We made it mandatory that every player, coach, administrator, and employee of the PLL took that course. It's a 60-minute free course on their site, and it just talks through microaggressions. It, ta- it talks through everything uh, from a diversity and inclusion perspective and, and just making a more inclusive atmosphere for a team environment. So I think that was a big step, having all of our players do that. And Mike Rabel and Paul were both great about making sure that guys understood, like, you have to do this to step on the field. You don't do this test. You don't step on the field. Uh, so that was great. Uh, our, some of our partnerships, you know, we, we aligned with You Can Play, which has been really exciting, and we're doing some cool stuff with them. We'll definitely have a Pride Night here coming up in the next month or so, uh, which we're excited about. Um, we're working on some really cool initiatives uh, in the Native American community, uh, which I can't dive in too much to yet because they're not finalized, but we got some really cool things coming up towards the end of the season. Uh, that's my son saying hi. Um, but yeah, man, the diversity and inclusion thing, man, it's something I'm passionate about. And I think as I've grown more comfortable 
in my space within the sport and understanding that I can speak up and I do have a platform to do so. Um, I, it's just something I've taken a lot of pride in. That's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, hey, so so my last question here before you know, Jake, Jake might have one in the uh, sure. in in the chamber as well. But so you're playing against the uh, so you guys have the Chrome coming yeah. up this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we we go back 2005 national championship yeah. game. Um, yeah. Pretty sure that so that that was Hopkins Duke. It was nine eight final. Yep. Blue Jays on top, and yeah. and on the on the losing end of that matchup. Number forty, yep. Matt Donowski. Yep. So this is a this is a big time big time rematch yep. coming up here. Uh, so so you know have you uh, have you ramped up the shit talk a little bit towards Donowski? Like I've seen in some of the mic'd up videos, uh, Dano's yeah. kind of letting the mouth fly a little bit. So you yeah. know, are, are you going to be going after him a little bit? Just kind of you know <laughs> say, hey, like buddy, oh five, remember that. Yeah, no, I got all the respect in the world for Dino, man. I've, I've been lucky in that he we played against each other since his sophomore year, maybe. Let's say, yeah, you're year, year younger than me, maybe even his freshman year. Like, we just played against each other for a really long time. I got a ton of respect for him and his father. Um, and yeah, I've been watching this mic'd up stuff too, but that's him, man. That's his personality, he gets after it, he talks, uh, and he, and he certainly backs it up. So, looking forward to getting on the field with him again. He and I actually have had some great. Homewood, my senior year, uh, we were ranked number one and number two, and we beat them in overtime on Homewood. Um, and then the year before, we were down at Duke, and I want to say we won by one. Uh, it was a really low-scoring game. It was something gross, like 7-6 or something like that. Nobody was happy. Um, Thank God then, for the shot clock. Yeah, seriously. Uh, and then we won, uh, and then obviously we won the national championship. So, no, I got a ton of respect for him. And uh, what you see is what you get there, though, man. He runs his mouth, he gets after it, uh, but he backs it up. Uh, that's really good to hear that you guys, you know, uh, can can talk some shit and and you know get off the field and and bump knuckles and still oh, be friends, be, still be friends. Because yeah, because like you know, there are some people out there who believe that the PLL is being absolutely ruined by people yeah. cursing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, my last question for you, and this is this might it might be an easy one, it might be a hard one, is. Um, who is the best lacrosse player in the world right now? The best Ooh. in the world? Ooh. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's an easy one for me. It's not even close. Tom Schreiber. Ah, that's the correct it's, it's answer. Close. I was so, fishing. <laughs> yeah, no, man. He, uh, I, I'm lucky I've played with Tommy for the past five, four years, five years in, in, uh, in Ohio. Um, and what, what impresses me the most about Tom is someone, first off, I've never seen somebody with his skill set um, from the midfield or attack, like someone that can throw passes the way he can, read a defense the way he can from his hips with both hands. But what impresses me the most, man, is he's, he's just getting better. Like he, has, he hasn't hit the peak yet, right? Like each year he comes back a little better. Then he goes and plays indoor and rips that league apart and like builds a whole new set of skills that he didn't have before. Uh, and he's still young, right? So like I think we're, we're just, Tom Schreiber is just getting into the prime of his athletic body. And so I think the best is yet to come there. But if, if you had to ask, if you're asking me who the best player in the world is, it ain't close. And it's Tom Schreiber. Yeah, that's what I was fishing for. I, I knew that that was the answer. I just, I just needed some confirmation, man, because we're, <laughs> we're, we're huge. We're huge driver fans on this, on this podcast. Man, he's, as good, he's as good as it gets. I've seen, I've seen a lot the past, you know, 20 years of playing. Uh, it's, it's close, man. It's very close. 
All right. Well, hey, we appreciate you coming on. Um, real quick, before you leave, yeah, are, are you sure there's not a single bad thing that you want to say about Tanowski? <laughs> we're trying to we're trying to promote a podcast here. We need to get listeners. We need a headline here. We need a headline oh, grab. Look, man, I've 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 stuck to the straight line my whole career. I'm not going to change now. No, he's a he's a good dude. Competitive as hell. I love uh, him. Well, we'll see if we can edit the audio a little bit and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll put something together, but Hey, uh, Hey, appreciate you coming on. Everyone can catch Redwoods versus Chrome. That will be at Homewood field Saturday, 1 PM. You can also watch it on NBC sports. Uh, go out there, make, get a crankshaft in your hand and, uh, you know, throw, throw a few in the back of the net. I love it. I appreciate it. fellas. Sorry for some of those technical difficulties. Hey, it's just part of the biz. We'll talk you to you. It. See ya. All right. Thanks again to Kyle for hopping on with us this week. And you can catch him Saturday back at Homewood Field, 1 p.m. as the 1-2 and two Redwoods take on the 0-3 Chrome. So Kyle Harrison and the Redwoods looking to uh, get back on track here. And, you know, the Chrome, man, I they're 0-3. They're and they have lost by a grand total of three goals in all those games. So you feel like they have to be due for a win here. Um, it's it's crazy to see that that, that this team just uh, just falling short week after week. Like it, eventually it has to give. But at this point, I almost I'm almost rooting for zero and ten, and and with a with a goal differential of minus ten. I think that's extremely possible. I think I think Dom Starship might actually like lose his fucking mind um, if they go like zero and seven or zero and eight or even even zero and ten because he has been hot in some of these games about calls and about these players and things like that. Like he's been absolutely just out there. Is Dom um, Starship coaching for his job right now? You you know that's a very good point. Is Dom Sarge coaching for his job right now? It, it's very true. You know, it, and the PLL is very much like a next man up me, um, methodology too. So like if the players aren't feeling Dom, Dom's not feeling the players, boom, he's out. They got a new coach. So yeah, he's coaching for his job right now. Um, my, I, I, okay. So we've had three weeks. I think that we can, we can, pro I can probably make some, some more solid predictions. Um, the Chrome is going to give, Okay, we got we got big boy versus big boy in in this game. We got we got Connor Farrell versus Greg Beast. So, oh my God, I think that's going to be an even split. And I think that because it's an even split, we're going to see Redwoods come out on top, just edge them out. Yeah. Um. So one thing to so you know you got you got Kyle Harrison back at Homewood Field. Um. So obviously, like he he's going to show out. You know, he's, he's going to, going to put on for the, for the alum there. And then you've also got like, this is going to be a, a big game for the vets on the Redwoods. Um, because then you've also got Joe Walters who, you know, we'll get a little bit more into this with the next game, but you, you know, you've got a Maryland guy going back to Homewood, a place where he would love to dominate. Um, so this is a place where, you know, every time he's at Homewood, he wants to make sure that he's the best player on that field. I, so between Kyle Harrison going back there and and then also Joe Walter like you know he he already he already tweeted out this week like you know something about being back at at, at Homewood so like you know that this game means a, a little extra to him um you know just so he can you know again just show show the folks over at Johns Hopkins like hey 
you know, you guys wish that you could ever have a guy like me, um, you know, on this field for four straight years. So, you know, I think that those two guys are going to have themselves a day. Um, and then also you got, you know, a, another addition to the offense and Jules Henningberg, um, you know, in between Jules and, and then Ryder Garnsey, like it, it's just going to be a real, um, you know, just, just a real slippery attack. And then, so I, I think, I think this is going to be a big game for the Redwoods and it sucks, man. But I feel like, I feel like the Chrome, they might just, <laughs> they, they, they might just do it. Like they, yeah. they might. It's going to be tough too. You know, like Tim Trattner seen the ball real well. I, you know, I feel like every goalie in this league is, is good, but um, you know, the Chrome, they're just, uh, I don't think that they're going to be catching many breaks here early on this season. So uh, I would love to be proven wrong, but at the same time, I would also, again, love to see them go 0 and 10 with a goal differential of minus 10. Agreed. Um, um, so, yeah, so that's, I'm, I'm going Redwoods. It sounded like you were also yeah. leading Redwoods there. So, uh, well, that brings us into the biggest matchup of the weekend. Um, real quick, should mention, so Redwoods and Chrome, that'll be the one game that is uh, nationally televised on NBC Sports. So that's Saturday, 1 p.m. But the night game, uh, pretty sure this will be the first game under the lights in the PLL history. It is Saturday, 7.30 p.m. on NBC Sports Gold. This is the rivalry right here, baby. Homewood Field, the Whip Snakes and the Atlas. Maryland versus Hop. The rivalry takes on its, uh, you know, the, the first leg of this in the PLL history. So this is going to be a game where, you know what? I, I feel like the main reason why this game isn't going to be uh, nationally televised is because they won it on NBC Sports Gold, where you can keep all the F-bombs rolling. Um, you don't have to censor anything for TV. You don't have to worry about advertisers or anything like that, because this is going to be a game that gets a little out of hand. Oh, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to it. Like, fuck. Um, I mean, what 14 out of 20 players on the is 14 active players in the whip snakes who are Maryland alums. Um, and then, you know, the Atlas is just sprinkled with, with hot players. Like, you know, they, they PLL released a little short about it. You know, some of the guys talking about what going back to Homewood means for them and, you know, what playing at Homewood means for them. And that's cool that they get to, you know, um, to go back to uh, to Homewood and, and, and play. I think we're in for – this is the one that I'm most excited for. I don't even care about, um, you know, the Atlas being one and two. I think that, you know, they're just because of this rivalry that, you know, kind of erases a, a record for a minute. Um if if I had to put a bet down on first guy to throw a punch in this game, um, no, I'm pr Joel. Pro pro yeah, Joel probably, Tenney. probably, probably <laughs> Joel going Joel Tenney. He's been, um, you know, Joel's been having a, uh, you know, so far this season. So it was either the first or second week um, where he got absolutely blown up um, from a hit. Helmet goes flying. I think that might've even been like week one. So, you know, get, you know, guy almost took his fucking head off in, in week one. Um, and then last week he was getting, getting chirped at a little bit from Matt Donowski. So I feel like, you know, Joel Tinney, he's a, a guy who, you know, he, he's probably boiling up a little bit with some rage right now. And there's like the, the next thing is going to make him snap. Um, so I feel like, I feel like we could see Joel Tinney uh, throw, throw a couple here. Um, in terms of the whip snakes, 
trying to think about uh I mean, I, I, you know, I would love to see Rambo get a little testy there. Um, just trying to think about like who Rambo would, would go up against on on this Atlas defense. Uh, could get a little Philly versus Philly matchup, Rambo and Tucker Durkin. But I, I do think that this is going to get. Um, there's there's a good chance that this thing gets pretty ugly at at some point, just because you know it's under the lights. A lot of these guys like they haven't like felt that like hatred of the rivalry in a while like i feel like you know these guys graduated like they still probably it's like ah oh, yeah like fuck maryland fuck Hopkins, like this and that but it's like different now that they're playing at homewood again um you know and we've seen how competitive this league has been already so i feel like a night game at homewood to kind of bring back all those bad memories between these guys playing each other it's going to get it, it, it fists will be flying Absolutely, I think that's um, I think it's an important factor of the game. You know, the uh, the, the refs are going to be aware of it. You know, and it'll be interesting to see. So it'll be interesting to see the level of which they let them play because they've been letting them play for three weeks, right? You know, absolutely, just letting them go at it. So it'll be interesting to see how far they let them take it. Um, I, I think that'll be uh, that'll be important. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of a prediction, I just. I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like the drip snakes, they're, um, they're just, they're buzzing right now. They're, uh, you know, and I feel like, I don't know, like, I, I feel like they're going to want to spoil the homecoming weekend for the Atlas more than, than the Atlas want, want that win. Um, so I, I gotta go, I gotta go drip snakes, keeping this thing rolling, uh, to get the four and on the week. Would love to see an overtime, obviously. Um, and then it would probably be Ryan Drenner to score the overtime dagger. Uh, but I'm I'm going whips in this one. I'll take whips as well. All right, so we're 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 two for two right now, and that will bring us into the final game of the weekend. This is Sunday, three thirty p.m. on NBC Sports Gold. We've got the two and one Archers taking on the two and one Chaos. Um, you know, in in terms of this game, I, you know, I I, th- I think that. Uh, uh, the one thing I'm I'm really excited about seeing is Dane Smith is in the lineup for the first time this week for the chaos. So anytime that they can bring in more, uh, you know, Canadians that, you know, are, are mostly like box, they're box players first, then field players. I feel like that just makes the chaos a more interesting team to watch than they already are. Um, so between, you know, Connor Fields, Miles Thompson, um, you know, Josh Byrne, like doing all the crazy shit that they've been doing so far this season. And now you add in a guy like Dane Smith, who, again, he's going to play a little bit more like unconventional than a lot of people who are used to seeing, like just watching field lacrosse, um, you know, are are used to seeing. I think that that just makes them a way more interesting team. Um, You know, and and then the archers, they're, they're pretty much like you're, you know, they, they play that they've, it's like a prototypical field team. So this should be, um, you know, nice, nice little, battle of the fucking schemes or systems or whatever the fuck you want to say yeah so you have to think like if the chaos just keep bringing in block box players do they eventually bring in an an enforcer like bill o'brien you know go bring bill o'brien in to just beat some ass like in the middle of the game you know are you are chaos becoming team canada it's hard to say um no you're right so the archers are, are pretty much like the prototypical uh field team you know very structured very organized um they're they're a good team too uh so it's gonna be like it's kind of got like you know this organized versus disorganized 
and it'll be interesting to see how those play out. Um, you know, chaos is absolutely just lethal in transition with all these box guys who can just, you know, catch and shoot from anywhere. Um, and the archers are, are more kind of methodical with their offense. Um, I'm, I'm going to pick again. I'm going to pick against my gut. I'm going to say chaos in this one. Um, I think that they're just too crafty. Uh, I think that that's been working for them and they're going to play hard that way. Yeah. Now, uh, the one thing that I will say that everyone should be very, very nervous about is that, so Tom Schreiber, we all know that he's one of the greatest players in the world. And, you know, and in terms of guys who do field and box, he's probably the, the best of both. Um, now it's, it's not like he didn't play well the first couple weeks of the season, but last week we saw Tom Schreiber really come alive and really take over a game. Um, I'm pretty sure he had what, like six, six points in the second quarter alone. Yeah. So like Tom Schreiber right now is absolutely buzzing. And when that is the case, um, good fucking luck trying to stop him. I, like you can't. So like the only thing that you, you can do is, um, you know, just like try to like make him like, just like beat you himself. So, you know, you got to just like find a way to like stop guys like fucking uh, like little guys like Will Manny from just getting loose off ball. Um, but with Tom Schreiber putting up all those points last week, um, you know, he had like three goals in, in, in a half. And it's just um, I, I, I don't think that I would like to make a habit out of picking against Tom Schreiber. Like, like that would be that would be a bad habit to have. I would rather like take up smoking like five packs of cigarettes a day um, than picking against Tom Shriver, especially when he is buzzing the way that he is. So, um, you know, again, I, I think I think that every game, every chaos game might be like the most interesting to watch just because, um, you know, to see how, you know, what what kind of style that they end up going with, you know, week after week. Um, you know, obviously this week will probably be a little bit more, a lot of like two man games going on, you know, as they keep bringing in more of these box guys who are then, um, you know, finally getting a few more weeks removed from their box season. Um, you know, and then Dane Smith also has that, that connection with Josh Byrne cause they both play at Buffalo, um, in the NLL. So I, I, you know, right off the bat, they'll have a nice little connection together. Um, so it, it'll be a tight game. And, you know, the Archers, I'm pretty sure they, so they've had three overtime games in a row. Um, so they're, you know, two and one in those one. Uh, are they three in a row? Or maybe. Whoa. The Redwoods won. The Redwoods was a overtime game and the first week was an overtime game. What about week two? Uh, you know what? Actually, I think week two, they, they might've, uh, held on to win in regulation, but it was like by one. So anyway, yeah. like all these, all these archers games have been very close. Um, and so I think if, if this one stays close, I think that this is a game where again, it's like, Oh fuck Tom Schreiber. There's nothing we can do about that. He's going to come alive in the fourth quarter toward the end of the game, take that one over. So I got archers by, by one in this one. Well, that's fair. I think that the, as I said before, the chaos is, too crafty, uh, not too crafty, but I think that they capitalize on mistakes pretty easily, and they've also got the league's leading goal scorer. So, um, pretty hard to bet against that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I also think it's bad. It's kind of bad luck to bet against Tom Schreiber, so I wouldn't do it. 
but I am. So we'll see how that turns out. Tom, I'm sorry. I know you're listening, but I have to. Uh, well, there we Maybe go. Maybe be motivation for him, you know. Yeah, little, little locker room material there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So you're you're welcome, Tom. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. Well, that is week four of the Premier Lacrosse League season. Uh, so that'll be down at Homewood Field in Baltimore. So Chrome Redwoods. That is Saturday, one p.m. on NBC Sports. The Drip Snakes versus the Atli Saturday under the lights, 7.30 p.m. NBC Sports Gold. If there's one game that you watch this weekend, you'll want to watch that one. And then the Sunday game, Sunday at 3.30, it is Archers versus Chaos. That is also on NBC Sports Gold. Uh, thanks again to Kyle Harrison for joining us. Uh, make sure everyone is following us on social. That is at The Crease Dive on Twitter and Instagram. Um, again, make sure start sending in some listener submissions for, you know, Grease of the Week or Gear Vault or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, as, as you enjoy the weekend, you know, gas down a few cold ones and always keep it low to high to the day we die.